Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I'm Brenna. And I'm Gabby. And this is the Mystery Mystery of Everything Everything Podcast. All right. So just starting out, I'm going to introduce myself a little bit. My name is Brenna and I am currently a scientist. I like to focus mainly on cryptids, fun stuff, everything in between. Gabby is more of the brain's and the scientific studies, I am more of the fun, wacky, wacky coincidences. Is it real? Is it Mothman? Is it Mothman? Is it Mothman? Mothman episode one. No, <laughs> we're, we are sadly we are not discussing Mothman today, but we are discussing something just as interesting. Meat. 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 Like fake meat. Is it fake meat? Is is it? Is it human flesh? Is it? <laughs> we will find out. So today I'm going to cover the Kentucky meat shower, which not a lot of Kentuckians know about, surprisingly. But I'm from Kentucky and this happened just a hop, skip and a jump away. Like, did it rain meat? When you say shower, was the meat showering? Was it showering meat? You're going to find out. You're going to find out. (laughs) All right. So we're going to go back in time a little bit. We're going to travel back 147 years ago to the year 1876. The morning of March 3rd. Let's just picture the sun was shining bright over beautiful Olympia Springs in northeastern Kentucky. Not a cloud in the sky. And a lovely lady named Mrs. Crouch was just chilling about 40 steps away from her porch making soap. As you do in 1876. That's what I would be doing. You'd make so I'd make butter. I think butter would be my ideal 1876 activity. Because I could get some stellar arm muscle. My my Mimo has a butter churn. Shout out Mimo. (laughs) Anywho, so there wasn't a cloud in the sky, and then out of nowhere, a cool breeze starts to blow through. It's between 11 and 12 o'clock, midday. It's March 3rd, so, you know, it's probably a little chilly outside, but the sun's still shining. The day started out perfectly normal for Mrs. Crouch, but it quickly took a turn for the worse. It started raining out of nowhere. Water, obviously. Was it water? It was on March. Or was it meat? Large chunks of fleshy meat began falling from the sky in Bath County. Surrounding Mrs. Crouch, the farmhouse, and all the land and acre around. Like meat. Dun, dun, dun. Yes, it was meat. How much meat? Um, enough meat to fill an acre of land. 
So, well, at least at first, first look, one would think it was meat. So the New York Times posted an article the following week that said, the meat, which looked like beef, fell all around her, her being Mrs. Crouch. The sky was perfectly clear, and she said it fell like large snowflakes. I'm disgusted. <laughs> like, I'm trying so hard to be cool because I'm like, yay. But if meat started oh, raining. So, I don't even know what I would do. Like, you're just chilling, making soap in your front yard, and you feel a slight breeze. You're like, oh, that's nice, and get slapped by a ham hock in the face. So she said it was like big snowflakes. So I'm assuming <laughs> it wasn't like a giant chunk of flesh. It was like a little thin piece of flesh. It was like little stringy. So I get into the size in it, the size here in a second. But yeah, it was it was not like one big chunk. It was literally like it was raining, but it was raining meat chunks. My first assumption would be a plane flew over and at the exact same time, somebody stuck their arm into like a propeller. But it's 1876. So they had I was like literally the, just thinking we're in 1876 well, right now. When did the first pl- I'm sure a, they were developing it. I don't know. Around that's that time. a good you should you should Google that while okay. we're you continue and okay. I'll look that up. Yeah, that's worth a gook. All right. So Mrs. Crouch later told a reporter that for a brief moment that she had thought that her husband and son, who were away at the time, had been torn to pieces and their remains had been brought back to her by the wind. Her their remains? Yes. For a brief moment it crossed her mind, this must be my husband and son's remains getting blown back to me by the wind. So I'm just wondering, like, what have your husband and son been up to for your first thought to be like, oh, this is karma? It's 1876. I mean, you have to think about craft. You have to think about the fact that the life expectancy was much shorter and people just died at war. There were men. Men died all the time. Women died in childbirth, but men were like, I'm going to go hunt this bear. And then boom. That would be some shit to be like, oh, yes, meat chunks. It must be my husband (laughs) and son coming back from war. I'm sorry I'm laughing. This is so sad. <laughs> anyway, she figured out that that wasn't it. Obviously. Well, in, in some cases, it says that like Mr. Crouch, his name is Alan. We don't know Mrs. Crouch's name because woman who needs to memorize her name. Right. But I'm sorry. That was me. <laughs> it was the Times. It's 1876. That's probably what they thought. I'm making an assumption. The New York Times didn't write her name. They just wrote Mrs. No, Crouch. No, no history. Can I find Mrs. Crouch's first name? But her husband is Alan. I'm so glad we know who her husband is and that he wasn't dead. Yay. He also, wasn't dead. He was still kicking. They couldn't be a plane because that was 1906-ish. So no, it could so... have been a hot air balloon. No. I feel like they can't go fast enough for it to cover an acre of land. Maybe there was sprinkling I like where your head's at. Um. But I don't. (laughs) (sighs) Good guess, though. Good guess. All right. So, obviously, this wasn't the case. It wasn't her husband and son. So, what is the mystery meat, and where did it come from? The day after the alleged meat shower, a man named Harrison Gill showed up to the Crouch resident to investigate. Mr. Gill was described as having unquestionable veracity by the New York Times during this time period. So he sounds like a notable guy. He sounds like someone I would trust. But he noted the presence of meat sticking out of the fences and scattered all across the ground. So I'm assuming they had like a barbed wire fence going on and kind of looked like a crime scene is what I'm picturing in my head. He got down here from New York 
that quickly? Or was he just like the Kentucky no. reporter for New York Times? You know, I'm not really, I don't think he was a reporter. But in New York Times, they described him as being a notable presence. Ah, that that's the gist sense. I'm getting. So anyways, he's looking at the meat. He's seen it stuck to fences. And he notes that the hunks of meat are as big as 10 centimeters squared and somewhere around five by five centimeters. So not super big, but big enough to make you go, what is happening? What the hell is that? Yeah, not super big, but big enough. I think Mrs. Crouch described one of them as being as big as her hand. So that's um, disgusting. And the chunks, so they were apparently fresh when they first fell. But seeing as how Mr. Harrison Gill didn't observe them until the following day, they were obviously rancid from being left out overnight. As meat does. Imagine the cleanup. Do you think they cleaned it up? And the smell. Um, it was noted in a lot of things that her farm animals started eating it. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Nutrition! Which would add up. I mean, hey, she didn't have to pay for feed. Or she, I mean, they were probably farmers, I would assume. Um, anywho, so picture the rancid meat. What are you going to do when you find rancid meat? You're going to have two unidentified men decide to take one for the team and to eat it to try to figure out what the meat was. Now you're starting to understand why her first thought was they died. <laughs> My husband and son died. My husband and son have been carried to me by the wind. Maybe they were out tasting rancid meat. So she, and then they died. Exactly. Well, that's what she thought. So these two men who remain unidentified, probably because they're embarrassed, but they claimed that it tasted like venison and mutton. Which venison, um, to me, we've always called venison baby deer. Yeah, tastes delish. Uh, and mutton, I'm pretty sure, is sheep. Yeah, it if is. I'm not and it's mistaken. so good. I've but never you feel, had mutton. Oh, you should definitely try it. It is so good. But you feel so guilty because I grew up with sheep and goat on my farm. Oh, and you loved them. And, then, and But they were so delicious. But you just look at them and you're like, you're so cute. That's how I feel about pigs because I had a pet pig named Aggie. She's a saint. She lives with someone else now, and they call her um, bitch, <laughs> which I lost that right to say anything about that because I rehomed her, and I feel guilty about it. She was eating my, she was eating my walls. Come on. She was eating my drywall. She was so good, though. She used the litter box. She slept in my bed. She was an angel, but now I feel guilty eating bacon. She won't mind. No, I'm sure she, if she tasted bacon, she uh, too would be like stellar. Please don't cancel me for this, but one time I did accidentally drop a piece of bacon and she ate it. See, she is not going to judge and you she for liking loved bacon. It, and I felt so bad. She doesn't care. Why are we judging the ethics of your pet pig? She was such a good girl. So now that we know what the nasty meat tastes like, what is it? The first attempt of an explanation that we're going to get to came three months after the meat shower. A man named Leopold Brandeis was given some of the meat specimens to analyze. And these samples had been preserved in glycerin, so to keep them as fresh as possible. Which was, I mean, quick thinking on their part. That is true. You know, for 1876, you all are doing great. Leopold thought that the meat in question wasn't actually meat at all, though. It was reported in Scientific American that year that at least we have figured out 
a proper explanation of this substance, and that it's not in fact meat at all. The Kentucky Wonder is no more or less than Nostock. What is Nostock? All right. Great question. I would love to tell you. Shout out to Elise Meyer. Um, Nostock is a gram-negative cyanobacteria that forms colonies surrounded by a protective gelatinous envelope, which basically means that it's a type of bacteria when it gets rained on, it looks like jelly. Interesting. That, that's really all you need to know. And I, I Googled it, and it does, in fact, look like jelly. If you want to Google it, if anyone wants to Google it. But uh, for many years, people believed that Nostock would flow on the breeze until it rains and then would fall from the sky like hail. So Mr. Brandeis, that's kind of where his head was at, that, oh, well, it rained, and then Nostock must have fell from the sky. Nowadays, we know that Nostock doesn't actually fall from the sky. It is on the ground, but it's not ordinarily seen until it rains and then it becomes swollen and turns into a jelly-like substance. So Leopold was wrong. Why was he wrong? For one, this meat fell from the sky, and for two, if we remember, Mrs. Crouch said it was very sunny that day and it wasn't actually raining. So debunked, Brandeis, you're wrong. So weird question. Was she the only person to see it rain on her like farm? <sighs> yes, she was. So there's also theories that she made up the whole thing for attention. But where would she get all the meat? Exactly. Oh, maybe she blew something up. By accident. And she was like, oh, I got to find a cover story before my husband. But how? An acre wide. How are you going to accidentally blow up an acre wide? They definitely had explosives in 1876. So maybe she was a little trigger happy as one does. You're, you're, You're winding down for the night. You got your glass of 1876 wine. You accidentally light a candle next to your husband's TNT, which is actually next to your pig. Boom. No. Mrs. Crouch, the soap maker, I don't buy it. (laughs) Mrs. Crouch was a lovely homemaker. That's me putting her into a bubble. I don't know that. She could have... Hated homemaking. She could have hated homemaking. And soap making. The soap could have been a cover-up. She could (laughs) have been super pissed at her husband, Alan, for not even telling people her first name. And do you blame her? Do you blame her? (laughs) I don't. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So Brandeis claimed that the Kentucky Nostock that fell was Nostock carnium, describing it as flesh-colored. And he also stated that it tastes like frog or spring chicken leg. But if you Google Nostock, it is not flesh-colored. It looks green to me. And it doesn't look anything like meat. And now we know that it actually was meat that fell and that it was not Nostock. So that was a popular theory at one time, and it has now been debunked for the most part. And plus, it didn't rain that day. Like we already discussed, it was a beautiful sunny day without a cloud in the sky. So Leopold's theory is a no-go. So if it wasn't Nostock, then what was it? 
Before I jump into the most likely theory, I kind of want to cover all our bases and talk about some unlikely theories heard throughout the years that just fill my heart with joy. So the first one I'm going to cover is Professor J.L. Smith, and he speculated that it could have been dried frog spawn that was taken up by the wind from a pond and blown across an acre of land, raining down on Mrs. Crouch. Uh-huh. Has there been any cases throughout history no. <laughs> of <No>. frog spawn <laughs> getting no. blown? Just raining tadpoles? No. Which technically would have still been a meat shower because it would have been dead tadpoles. I would, I'd honestly rather have dead tadpoles rain down on me than unidentifiable meat. Yeah, true. Same. Honestly. Same. Little jelly blobs. Anyway, so he later changed his mind on that and decided it was highly unlikely he might have just wanted a foot in the race, you know. Like, I would have been throwing out yeah, theories. Yeah, throwing out theories. He just wanted his name out there. And look at it now, a hundred something years later, and I'm bringing up Professor Smith. I don't blame him one bit. I think we can all agree, though, that his theory is probably not what actually happened, in my opinion. Next up, we've got an awesome theory by William Alden, a writer for the New York Times. And his thoughts were that the meat was actually human meat and that the rain was caused by none other than deranged killers. Wait, so that honestly would have been my thought. I'm like, okay, so they killed someone and now they're distributing it from a hot air balloon. Gabby. Over over this land. No, no. Okay, people made soap out of dead bodies, right? In history, like there were serial killers who did this. What if there was a serial killer who just poured meat over an acre of land? I just feel like, I don't know. I feel like a hot air balloon. You're not moving fast enough. You're not. I could be wrong. You could prove me wrong. I don't know how fast a hot air balloon can go. It probably wouldn't go very fast. No. But maybe it was a little. You wouldn't have the range necessary. There to was a cover wind. Mrs. There was uh, a breeze. So like you let no. it go and then the breeze is like. Shoo. I'm still not buying it. When were hot air balloons invented? 1783. No, I'm still not buying it. Ah, come on. No, that's fake news. (laughs) (laughs) That is fake news. All right, so circling back, Leopold Brandeis, wrong. Professor J.L. Smith, wrong. William Alden, wrong. Me, wrong. Gabby, wrong. This next theory... It's the one. It has to be the one. All right. This one is that two local men were fighting and got picked up by a tornado, which then ripped them into pieces and threw their meat into Miss Crouch's yard. That's I an actual it. theory. I believe it. But um, do and it was no other than Alan Crouch and their son. <laughs> I'm sorry. But, 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 but. Were there any tornadoes? It was a clear spring no, day. No, it was a beautiful. It wasn't spring. It was winter. We're in March here, March third. March is winter. Yes, I was born during a snowstorm in March. Yeah, mm-hmm. March twelfth. Interesting. Yeah, I'm not gonna say the year because you all don't need to know my age. You're old. Gabby's older than me. Why would you say that? <laughs> okay. And I know I, I, I know I said the last one was my favorite, but let's be honest. This one takes the cake. Aliens beamed the meat from a cow they had picked up back down to the earth, 
alongside her yard. And seeing as how we now know that aliens exist, this theory is much more plausible. You mean the Pentagon, the meeting, the, yeah. the trial? Aliens exist. I mean, actually, statistically, I do think aliens exist. Statistically However, speaking, but we have bigger things to worry about right now. Like inflation. Like I need to buy a house. Taxes. Economy. The interest rates. I still have to pay my taxes. I'm, uh, that's something I shouldn't have shared. You need to pay your taxes. <laughs> I owe $5 and I keep forgetting to send it in. The IRS is going to arrest you, honey. No, they are not. It's five whole Someone dollars. Someone I love very, very much forgot to do their taxes for three years. You're not stimulating the economy if you don't pay your taxes. I don't think that's right. All right. So although Leopold's theory about Nostock was deemed completely incorrect, he did help us out in some ways leading into our final theory. Leopold gave a few samples of the mystery meat to a histologist who happened to be the president of the Newark Scientific Association during this time. The histologist was named Dr. A. Mead Edwards. Side note, in some sources, he has a different last name. His last name's Hamilton in some sources, so do with that what you will. But the histologist believed that it was likely the lung tissue of a human infant or a horse. And he wasn't the only histologist who believed so. Another histologist by the name of Dr. J.W.S. Arnold agreed that the meat was most likely some kind of animal cartilage and lung tissue. Okay. The lung of a human infant is the worst theory and here's why. Not the fact that it was a baby that passed away. That's awful in and of itself. But two unidentified men tasted baby lung meat. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, you read that line and I was like, oh, no, no, no wonder they're unidentified. They're like, we could all uh, let anyone know what we did. Uh, yep, that's a baby leg. <laughs> oh, gosh. So multiple scientists observed seven different pieces of the meat other than the histologist we just described. And they determined that two of those samples were lung tissue, three were muscular tissue, and then two were cartilage. So it has been confirmed that it's lung tissue, muscular tissue, and cartilage. We just do not know what that belonged to. Hot air balloon. Disposing of the evidence. Serial killers. Serial killers in Kentucky. In I know I keep saying that, but I'm like, listen, why else would it be raining muscle tissue, cartilage, and lung tissue? I'm going to explain to you the best theory that I have as to why it was raining that, and it does not include serial killers or karma blowing men in tornadoes and ripping them apart back to Mrs. Crouch. You or aliens. Me? It also does not involve aliens. You have to give me your best explanation because. I'm convinced of my theory. All right, this is the best explanation I got. And I'm still not exactly convinced it is true. Okay, so the best explanation that I can come up with or that anyone can come up with really was brought to light by a man named Dr. L.D. Kastenbein. Kastenbein got his own sample of mystery meat and then he decided to set a blaze to it, which is science. Perfect science. He said that it smelled distinctly like rancid mutton. Don't know what that has to do with the theory that he came up with, but that's, that's a notable thing. 
And in the 1876 edition of the Louisville Medical News, he wrote that it was caused by, drumroll please. James, add a drumroll. Projectile vulture vomit. Projectile vulture vomit. Dun, dun, dun. That's all we got. That's the best we have. How many vultures to cover an acre of land? All right, bear with me. This might sound crazy. But vultures have been known to engorge themselves with too much food and then vomit it back up. But with that being said, the chances of a kettle, which is a flock of vultures. I just learned that today and I can't stop saying it, a kettle of vultures. Anywho, statistically speaking, uh, the chance of a kettle of vultures vomiting meat all over Mrs. Crouch's property is one in a million. But it, it, she could be that million. It's like winning the lottery, except... You won vulture vomit. You won a brand new vulture vomit. She won her name in history books. No, she didn't because they won't even put her first name. She is Mrs. Allen Crouch. Thank you very much. Uh, I don't like it. Something about it just doesn't sit right with me. Welcome to history. I wonder what her name is. Someone out there knows Mrs. Crouch's name. And if you do, you can shoot me an email at mysteryofeverythingpod at gmail.com. Anyways, moving on. So, it has been observed that if one vulture vomits, the rest of the kettle might vomit along with it. I personally haven't seen it. It says that it's a thing, that they do group vomit. Think about it. If you vomit, what are the chances I vomit? No, in elementary school one time, we had an entire gymnasium of vomit. Really? Yeah. So You never experienced that in elementary school? That's the one in a million chance we needed. One vulture was having an upset tummy and everybody else was like... one kid throws up, we all throw up. And then back in the day, they used to sprinkle that weird powdery stuff on the vomit on the ground. I'm not from the U.S. I have no clue. You all all listening know what I'm talking about. It smelled like ass. They sprinkled it on throw up and it made the throw up hard. And then they swept it up and put it in a trash can. They sprinkled it on there and it sat and I can still picture or I can still smell that nasty smell to this day. That sounds dramatic. What? I wonder if they still use that. I'm going to have to ask my neighbor. She's got a bunch of kids. So the thing that would be unusual in this case is that when vultures vomit, they're normally on the ground and it's to help them get a faster getaway when they return to flight. They don't normally do it while they're flying. So that would kind of put a wrench in this theory, but not exactly. There are two species of vulture in Kentucky, the black vulture, Corygipsis atratus, and the turkey vulture, Cathartis aura. I hate turkey vultures. Just throwing it out there. They're the devil. Gabby, anything to say about turkey vultures? I have no clue what that is. Really? Yeah, I didn't do anything with birds in college. Like, I avoided birds like the plague because there's so many types of bird plagues. Oh, I'm about to out myself so bad right now on something. But the other day, my dad was asking me about birds. And I was like, I don't know, Dad. I didn't study aviation in college. Oh, (laughs) aviation. (laughs) Yeah. And he's like, no, I don't think you were flying planes in college. I was like, oh. I feel like it's orna- ornithology or something like that. I'm pretty sure. Ornithology. Is it ornithology? I knew it somewhere in the back of my mind. Side note, while we're talking about turkey vultures, where I used to work, I was a caregiver 
and um, she had to have donkeys. You have to have donkeys with cattle because um, turkey vultures will peck out the eyes of calves. They'll just sit on top of barns and they'll wait for babies to be born, for calves to be born. And then they will peck their eyes out while they're alive because they're evil and donkeys will kick the shit out of them. Fun fact. What? Not so fun fact. That's why I don't like turkey vultures. They're really bad. Why would they? I mean, I guess it's an easy target and they can yeah, obviously as, as spend. soon as a calf comes out, they're easy pickings. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah. But it's shout bad. out to donkeys. Shout out to donkeys are mean. And but they're doing they're, their they're job. They're doing the damn thing. They're doing everything that they're supposed to and more. So that's why we have black vultures. We have turkey vultures. Both of these species are known to vomit out, vomit out their stomach contents as a defense mechanism and to make themselves lighter for flight. So could a kettle of vultures have been scared into vomit and then the wind blew it across an acre wide of land? I think so. Maybe they were flying and they saw a hot air balloon. I'm done with you. I'm so done with you. An initial thought I had was, wouldn't she have seen thousands of vultures hovering above her house vomiting out meat? Yeah, but soap making? Have you made soap? You're typically staring at it to make sure it's the right consistency. At least when if I made soap. If meat started falling around you in chunks, you would look up. I would run indoors. I would look up and get slapped in the face by a thigh. Of muscle. Fun fact also that I learned while researching this is that black vultures can fly at a 20,000 foot altitude. So, no, you probably could not see. That makes a lot of sense. And then it just got blown because if they're flying that high and they threw yeah, up. Yeah, by the time it actually reaches the ground. It could be so really far away. Something could have startled. I, I mean, I imagine something could have startled them because their kettles, <laughs> kettles can also contain hundreds of vultures at a time. That's terrifying. Oh, it's very terrifying, especially when you learn that they pick out eyeballs. Of calves, though. So we're sa have they picked out human eyeballs? I don't think so. Okay. Because, like, when calves first pop out, they're just kind of like, eh. <laughs> 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 they're not doing much. They're just vibing. And also, vultures can eat, like, 10 pounds within minutes. That's probably an exaggeration, but they can eat multiple pounds of meat within minutes. So I imagine you eat really fast. Your kettle starts to take off. You fly to catch up with them. Something startles one of you, maybe a hot air balloon. One of you starts projectile vomiting. Thousands of you start projectile vomiting. I mean, it could be doable. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And it would also explain why it smelled rancid because they were already like starting to yes. digest and then they're like, Whoa. yep. And that could explain why, I mean, the meat's unidentified and it's multiple different parts because vultures are scavengers and opportunists who feed on carcasses of dead animals. So 
also tying back to the men who tried the meat earlier. And these two men weren't the only men that tried it. Like, if you go through and research it, there was a number of people who were like, eh, I'll give it a taste. Have they tested the meat for, like, genetic material? Yes. I will get to that in just a second. We're going to tie into it. But, so if vultures did throw that up, then that meat would have been cooking in their stomach acid just right before they vomited it out. And then it sat for a day. And then men were like, you know what? It would be a good idea if I give this a little taste test. You have to think about it. We're making fun of them. but. A lot of the vegetables and fruits that we eat today and also the milk we drink, somebody had to be brave enough to try it. There was no other way I to know. I just picture someone sucking on a cow's titty. Yeah. like <laughs> you, there, Someone had to try it first and then they spread it. Not only did they try it, but they were respectable enough for other people to try it. I say, like, I can't say much. I had a stink bug when I was younger. I've eaten a fly. so Just I'm not- for fun. I'm One time, judging. me and my friend Marcella put ants in our mouth and let them crawl down our throat. Ants do taste actually pretty good. I was obsessed with ants. They lived everywhere. I had jars and jars of ants. Aww. Um, But I did try them, but you from, ate time to, them. from time to time. Yeah. Ours was more of a shock factor. It's we like, really can't judge. Yeah. Like have our older sisters be like, look, I got ants crawling down my throat. We cannot judge these no. men. Raven fed me dog food one time and I ate it. It takes a really specific type of person to do science, I think. <laughs> Good for us. I used to eat leaves when I was little too. Leaves are yummy. Unless you eat the wrong one. Because one time. I didn't know. I didn't even know what I was eating. I was just pulling them left and right. I could. I Ooh. should be dead. If you ate a little poison ivy. <gasps> could you imagine? I thought I was cool out there eating grass and leaves. And then just, how do you wake up dead? <laughs> <laughs> oh no so we can't judge we no. cannot judge these men i can have no judgment but you know who can judge an art teacher at kentucky's transylvania university by the name of kurt goad i'm just kidding he can't judge but he did research he did research the kentucky meat shower and in 2004 he found a surviving chunk of meat that had been long forgotten about stored at transylvania university and he had it genetically tested. Yes. Boom. That and is. And you know what those results found? Not shit. Because the formaldehyde. Well, no, it was glycerin. Yeah, well, some, some cases say it was glycerin and some cases say that they think it was formaldehyde. It varies from case to case. And also some say that Alan was Mrs. Crouch's husband and some say that Alan was her grandchild. So. We don't even know her age range. We don't even know her first name. But I'm she's never going to get over that. Soul witness of this event. She's the soul witness, and it was written about in scientific magazines. Are we 100% sure that she wasn't covering something up? Like maybe she was the serial maybe killer. Maybe she killed Alan Crouch and her son. I have a. Okay, I'm not going to say that. James, cut that out. <laughs> uh, for legal purposes, that was a joke. I'm just speculating. I have no proof. Don't come for me, Crouch family. Because they probably know where I live because they're from Kentucky. <laughs> oh, but after he had it genetically tested, the only information that came from it was that the cork that was used in the jar was roughly 40 years old, which tells us that the liquid that the meat was stored in had been swapped to alcohol 
assuming from glycerin or from formaldehyde. So nothing really came of that study. But the chunk of meat remains in an apothecary cabinet at Transylvania University's Monroe Moosnick Medical and Science Museum and can be viewed if an appointment is made. Because I really want to see it and I looked it up to try to see if I could. You can. can we make an appointment? Yeah, we can make an appointment to look. I'm just curious, why did they swap it from formaldehyde to alcohol? I have no idea. And also, is that the yeah, only surviving piece? Yeah, why would they have the liquid to begin with? That's the only piece that I could find any information on. Interesting. Was it Transylvania? I think someone somewhere. There has to be more, because if there were seven... They saved at least seven samples because scientists tested it and determined that it was lung, cartilage, and muscle tissue. So there has to be more out there. Depending on when those scientists did those tests, have you ever worked in any sort of research lab? It is chaotic. When I like was the research assistant for my like lab when I did my research, just getting people to store their experiments and the remnants of their experiments after their work was complete, was impossible. So we would go through the fridge every few months and just have to toss things because nothing was labeled, which is horrible, horrible you practice. You gotta label people, come on. And these were undergrads, so like obviously they were learning, but wow, it was really hard to document everything. All of my scientific specimens are labeled properly and stored in my hot-ass shed outside my house. You store your experiments outside? Well, it was for... um. What is that class? It's not zoology. What Ecology? Freshwater invertebrates. It was freshwater invertebrates. And I caught so many cool specimens and I just don't have it in me to throw them away. But also I'm a hoarder. I'm low-key a hoarder. And I don't have anywhere to put them in my house. So they're in the garage. Maybe if one goes extinct someday, you'll have the worst preserved sample to present. To research. They still look good. Like the heat's not affecting it any. Oh, perfect. Yeah. It could be the best alcohol you've ever tried. Dunch. So, a disgusting but fun tidbit of information to come from this is that Kurt, can I call you Kurt? Professor Goad? Is that how you say his name? G O H D Goad? Yeah, I think it's Goad. We're going to call you Kurt. Professor Kurt, as to not be disrespectful. But he took it upon himself to have a taste lab in Cincinnati, Ohio, create jelly beans based on the sample's flavors compounds. That was actually really smart. I'm sorry, Kurt. That's disgusting. And I am so curious. I want one, please. I would try one. Would you try one? Absolutely If Kurt not. was nice enough to send us a sample, you would not try, not a sample of the meat. But a jelly bean replicate, you would not try it. I would just if 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 they were given to me, but I would not go searching for meat jelly bean. I would probably search out of curiosity now. Do it. I almost feel like it has to be done. And anyone listening, if you guys do get some Kentucky meat shower jelly beans, just let us know what you thought they tasted like. If you go to Transylvania University, hook a girl up, shoot me an email. I would really like to know. And it reminds me of the um, nasty jelly beans they sell at Harry Potter World at Universal. Oh, yeah, the, bir the bird something. I've yeah. had those because we used to play like a Russian roulette game with it. They're so gross. They have booger flavored or bogey, as Ron would call it. They have soap. 
They have vomit and it actually tastes like vomit. I like the taste of soap. That's disgusting. Yeah. I told you, I cannot judge. (laughs) Why? Is it like a trauma thing? No, I just love the taste of soap. I got my mouth washed out with soap before. I've never had my mouth washed out with soap, but I I just love, it's kind of like really bitter and it burns your throat. It makes my throat hurt. So I'm like, yes, I don't know. You are so weird. I know. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't like my burning throat. That's why I don't like alcohol. That among many other reasons. I don't judge. You do you. Drink it up. Just not me. I tried apple cider vinegar the other day and I almost died. Have you ever tried that? Yeah. And it's fine to you? Yeah. What? I I don't know. I'm really cool with a lot of taste. I would have probably tried the meat. That's the bad thing. No. But I wouldn't try the jelly beans now. Like back in the day, I would have tried the meat, you know, because it was the 1870s. Everybody was living living it up. Parasites who? Oh, I didn't even think about parasites, (laughs) actually. (laughs) Parasite, what? All right. So after he had them tested in the lab, he described it as tasting so strong that if he ever had any meat that flavor in his mouth, he would immediately spit it out. And then it left a lingering chemical taste. Actually, maybe the chemical taste came from, you know, it being soaked in alcohol all this time. (laughs) That's probably true. So I think maybe the flavor compounds that he got weren't 100% accurate of the meat at that time. Because it was already... If it was stored in formaldehyde. And then transferred to alcohol. Like, it's been through it. It has been suffering. Yeah, that meat's not meat anymore. I think he got a little... First a vulture's stomach with the acid in there. And then the mouth of an 1876 man who remains unidentified and then formaldehyde and then alcohol. It's been through a lot. Like, I don't think what he tasted was exactly what was in. It was on her property. I'm a little sad that I haven't got to try one of the jelly beans, though. At Mount Sterling's annual fall festival court days. Kurt asks some flavor testers to try the jelly beans and let him know what they thought of the flavor. Many compared it to the taste of ham, but ham that had started to turn rancid. Obviously. They also compared it to pre-cooked bacon and Kurt's personal favorite, strawberry pork chop. I wonder where the strawberry came from. An interesting, I think that's just someone with an interesting, like, Taste profile. Like they just have a no, very wide said, scope. It is said one man put it in his mouth. An immediate response was, ah, strawberry pork chop. Like he was confident about it. He was for sure that's what it was. I wonder if this guy still works, like this professor still works at Transy. Because then I can email. I'm sure he does. And then we can taste the jelly beans if he has any. I would pay good money. I'm broke. But if I had good money, I would pay you good money to try one of your jelly beans, sir. I think I'm going to email and see if he'd let us try some of the jelly beans and then we can taste it on one of the episodes upcoming. (laughs) (laughs) And also, I just want to apologize in advance, Kurt, for calling you Kurt, but I don't know how to pronounce your last name. Goad. Goad. Professor Goad. Okay, well, now that we've got our share of meat for the day, I'm going to end this with a quote from Professor Goad that I love, and I think it's very well suited for this case. And I quote, I don't know if I will ever think of it as a closed case. I prefer to think of it as a mystery that was left open because it happened at a time when people didn't need to solve things. 
End quote. That is true. That's a nice, yeah, I like that. It happened at a time when people didn't need to know everything. They just made And I think theories. that's beautiful. They just let it happen. So if you know anything wacky or weird, mysteries, doesn't have to be meat related or vulture related, feel free to send it in to us at mysteryofeverythingpod at gmail.com. Hit up our Instagram. And just let us know what you guys would love to hear next. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. Bye. Don't eat rancid meat. And if you do, put it in a jar of formaldehyde. <laughs>